Hi, and welcome to the podcast ministry of New Life Church in Springfield, Ohio. We hope that the transformative truths of God's Word impact, challenge, and bless you. The Old Testament, um, you see these guys cropping up again and again and again. That is the Philistines. The Philistines are the bad guys, you know, and... Um, and pretty much every major and minor prophet, you know, and every, uh, every great king especially, they're always, you know, beefing with the Philistines. There's always a problem with the Philistines. Philistines are doing this. We've got to fight the Philistines. There's another Philistine invasion. Goliath is a Philistine. There's always these guys on the other side of it. And uh, like I had mentioned, I like to throw a little bit of historicity in whenever I, I preach, especially from the Old Testament. Um, the reason why the Philistines were, uh, were so dangerous, they're probably a descendant of the uh, ancient seafaring people, the Phoenicians. Uh, and the reason why they, they kind of had the cheat code whenever it came to battle is not only uh, were they, you know, you know kind of advanced, you know, they, they could read and write, you know, a lot quicker than most cultures, but also they, uh, you know, they, they were metal workers. Like, they understood how to make better armor, better weapons, better swords. So while everybody else was still kind of stuck in the Bronze Age, um, they had already kind of developed iron, and if you think that's just like a small subtextual difference, that's not. That make, made the total difference when it came to armed combat, um, and so that, that was a huge deal. And one of the reasons David probably stole uh, the, the sword off Goliath real quick is because it's a great sword. You know, it was something that you couldn't even make. You, could, you literally couldn't buy in the whole nation. Like, they couldn't make them. Or everybody else is on the battlefield, and that their, their blades can't hardly penetrate, you know, your armor. It gives you a huge advantage. So the Philistines were always making trouble. And God, I, I, I just, as I looked at that, I saw a powerful parallel for us. Um, the Apostle Paul says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're spiritual. And they're powerful uh, to the pulling down of strongholds. Uh, the weapons of our warfare, though, we're never going to, in the natural, be strong enough to defeat the enemy. That's why we need God. And God constantly reminds us of that. Um, there, there's no, you can't outsmart life. There are going to be times whenever, you know, the, the weapons of, of, of me, you know, my hard work, you know, even whenever I'm being a good steward and, and, and trying to make things work out, I'm trying to get ahead and, and I'm trying to eat healthy, you know, and, you know, I try to, you know, be responsible in all these areas. Even though you do all these things, you're not the final say. God is, you know, and, and honestly, you'll never defeat life. You'll never defeat the enemy. You'll never defeat the things that come against you um, just in the natural. Just like the Israelites never could. But what that taught them to do was something even more important than having, you know, better technology, better health care, better weapons. To rely on God, the author and the finisher of our faith. So sometimes it seems like we're at a disadvantage. And the enemy just, but you have the ultimate and how all these things can compound at once. And why is it fair? But you have the ultimate advantage, which is faith in God. A God who, even though some things will come into your life, even though difficult things are going to arise and challenges happen, never will they be too much for you to bear with his help. And never did they have the authority to derail you from the plan of God for your life. Judges 16 and 23. 
Now the lords of the Philistines gathered together to offer a great sacrifice to Dagon, their god, and to rejoice. And they said, Our God has delivered into our hands Samson, our enemy. There is the name, Samson. Everybody remembers this, you know, the, the story of Samson. It's, uh, there's a whole lot there, and I would love to do a, you know, a, a character study, maybe a, a series on Wednesday night, you know, studying through um, you know, the character and the story of Samson, everything that he had to go through. And we... We all basically probably know somewhat, you know, that he, he was super strong and that, you know, he could kill everybody just with a jawbone of a donkey and he was, uh, he was anointed, even though he was a little bit, you know, problematic, a little bit naughty, like he would break all these rules and still kind of get away with it. Um, he would, you know, he would, he would drink and he do all these things. The only thing he wouldn't do was cut his hair. Eventually, though, uh, Delilah, who he has a, a lust problem with, you know, he's carrying on this affair with this Philistine woman. Eventually, she figures it out and cuts his hair and... That's that they force him to, uh, you know, to grind meal to, to grind, you know, or you know, in, in this, uh, you know, in this, basically they, they pulled an oxen out of its, you know, and then put him in there as a mockery, and probably also because they got some good work out of him because he was he was really strong, just not as strong as he was at one point. And so they made a mockery of him, and he continued to just grind meal for the Philistines, and then and then they kind of. Uh, trotted him out on a special day because they wanted to make a mockery of him and a mockery of God. So they said, Our God has delivered into our hands Samson, our enemy. And when, they, and when people saw him, they praised their God, for they said, Our God has delivered into our hands our enemy, the destroyer of our land and the one who multiplied our dead. So it happened when their hearts were merry that they said, Call for Samson that he may perform for us. So they called for Samson from the prison, and he performed for them. You know, nothing gives Satan more pleasure than a child of God who has lost his vision and is using the gifts God gave him for the perverse pleasure of the enemy. You see that a lot. And I was talking with my wife the other day, and we were talking about a a particular performer, and uh, she was, you know, a lady, and I don't, want, I don't want to just, you know, who um, is not living a godly life is the exact opposite, you know, who, who dresses in, you know, terribly pr- provocative ways, and, uh, you know, and, and the things that, uh, you know, that are in those lyrics are just completely anti-scripture, anti-God, um, a mockery, you know, the values that God teaches, and I was like, you know, that person is the pastor's daughter of an Assembly of God pastor. Paul was like, are you serious? Wow. It's like, there seems like, you know, so many entertainers like that end up being like church kids who get out of church, you know, and part of the reason why is you get a lot of opportunity, you know, to to be musically inclined and, you know, to be trained and, you know, there's a lot of music in church and so that happens a whole lot. And it kind of, and whenever I read this passage of scripture, I kind of thought about that person, you know, and just said a prayer for that person, you know, because nothing gives Satan more pleasure than a child of God who has lost their vision of what's true, what's important, and is using the gifts that God gave them for a perverse pleasure of the enemy. But you see it so much. And they stationed him between the pillars. They stationed Samson. I'm kind of going in and out of the scripture here tonight. And they stationed him between the pillars. 
you know, pillars, um, and, and then of course that kind of, you know, went off in my head and I was like, well, let me think about that for a little bit. Pillars are mentioned many times uh, in the word of God, note of it, but uh, um, they're talking about the, uh, the, the pillars that are going to be in the temple of Solomon. These pillars are going to be, uh, uh, you know, 16 feet tall. They're going to be made of, of brass. They're going to be beautiful. They're going to be you know, ornate, but they're also going to serve a purpose. And uh, actually, these pillars got names, which is kind of rare, you know, that, but uh, they were so important, and they meant more than just uh, to hold the building up. They, they, they were symbolic. Pillars are symbolic in the Word of God, and uh, they, each one had a name. The first one was Jachin, and the second, Boaz. Um, the name Jachin actually means, he that strengthens and makes steadfast which is a great name for a pillar if it's going to be holding up you know, the building. You know, that's, if you're going to name it, that's, that's a solid name. The other was Boaz, um, which one of the interpretations of the name of Boaz is, is quick or swiftness. Um, and one of the other interpretations, though, is uh, simply strength is in him. There's some strength in him. I think both of those were very, very appropriate for pillars. In 1 Samuel 2 and 8, we read that, uh, for the pillars of the earth are the Lord's, and he set the world on them. Pillars were symbolic as much as they were functional, much, you know, throughout Scripture. And so I began to think about this. I began to think about, uh, I don't know why, but uh, of where Samson ended up. He ended up, you know, making a lot of mistakes. Um, honestly, God, what, what grace and what mercy, what forbearance and long-suffering, but I think forbearance would be the best word um, that God displayed toward Samson because um, he continued to do things wrong. I can think of three or four offhand because he took the Nazarite vow. He was not supposed to, to do a lot of things that other people can do. Yeah, guess what? Whenever you are selected by God, whenever you're called by God, whenever you answer that call, uh, you step into a whole lot of things that you're not allowed to do and that you have to do that, a lot of, that nobody else does. But that is the price of a high calling. So Samson, he's, he, he really didn't even get to make that choice. Um, he, was, he was called from the womb. And so he, would be, he began to break these things. Uh, at one point, he's not supposed to touch anything dead, but um, he, he reaches into the carcass of a lion, finds some honey there. You know, who's going who's gonna to find out? But eventually, you know, of course, God knows. Um, you know, he, he begins to, to live, you know, this promiscuous, sinful lifestyle. He begins to do all these different things. And uh, eventually, um, the, the last thing, see, one, I will tell you one thing. Get it right with God because the enemy loves to let you continue and continue and continue until it's going to be the most um, dramatic and devastating blow to you and to the kingdom and to the family and to the people that loves to do that. So get it taken care of. Get it right while God's grace and forbearance is still there. Amen? Samson had landed at this place, and it wasn't by coincidence. It was a path. You know, it's, uh, it's it, each little thing, and I, I think it's easy sometimes to think that the bad decisions that we make, you know, that's, that's a decision. And that one wasn't good, but hey, maybe tomorrow I'll make a good one. And maybe the day after that, you know, we'll see. You know, but that was one isolated bad thing. Like I, I told Brother Sam about physical therapy, um, we have a saying, um, everything has to do with everything. Spiritually, this rings very true. Uh, you, you don't get to isolate this particular sinful, sinful part of your life and then have it not affect over here. 
You, you don't get to, uh, to, to have this problem and have it, even though it's totally unrelated on the surface, not affect um, your, your friendship with, you know, with your family. You don't get to have this, you know, uh, this, this sinful thing here in your closet over here or this struggle that you just will not deal with and, and then have no trouble on the job and expect God's favor to be on you. You can't do that. Everything has to do with everything. And so finally, Samson has to understand that. This, these are not a bunch of isolated decisions and then bad moves here, here. Oh, don't worry about that one. This one will be better. No, it's not like that, you know. I don't know if anyone uh, saw the, the final um, of the, the downhill. Awesome is because he had one last run and he nailed it, got, you know, just a, a billion points and he won. But you had three different runs to do it. And they only use your highest one. It's not how it works with God. Everything has to do with everything. You, you, you can't just have, you know, mulligan after mulligan after mulligan in this area and expect your, life, your marriage to stick together. It won't happen. Everything has to do with everything. And Samson eventually finds that out all at once and all in the worst possible way. So he's, he's taken by these guys and he's cruelly beaten and tortured and, and his hair is, is cut off and uh, his eyes are put out. I think that's the worst of it for sure because, you know, you don't get your eyesight back, you know. At, at this point, like, he's just, you know, that's so permanent. Loses his vision. I mean, think about all those different pillars and then you, you see this picture, this really, really tragic picture of uh, Samson being led by, you know, this, this young girl, um, you know, and trotted around for the shame value of it and for the, you know, just for the entertainment value for all these other people. And eventually, um, so he just doesn't stumble around and fall, uh, he gets placed between two pillars. Kind of for balance, kind of just to, to center himself because, you know, he, otherwise he'd end up in the drinking fountain or whatever. So I began to ask myself, what were the names of these two pillars? And so I get to have creative license because it's not in the Bible. And I just begin to pray and begin to think about it, though. You know what? I, I, what? These are not good pillars. These are the pillars that, uh, that hold up, you know, the evil and the wrong, and you know, it's it, these are the pillars that uh, you know of the enemy that you've been strutted out and basically you know placed between. You know, what were their names? I, so I named the first one fear of fatality. Fatality is an occurrence of death by accident or war or disease, but there's another. Um, far more applicable definition for fatality. Helplessness in the face of fate. You ever felt that way? You ever felt just helpless in the face of fate, which just means um, I just I can't I can't change things. I can't make this happen. I can't I can't change these terrible things that are going on in my life. Uh, I, it's you're helpless. You know, I, I think about, you know, some people who are terribly sick and, you know, that, you know, <laughs> over the last few days, which is uh, not the worst thing in the world. But it is if you're really sick and you keep losing and you, you need to, you know, you, your weight to survive and to watch, you know, a loved one continue to lose and lose and just waste away. I think that that's a pillar. 
helplessness in the face of fate or in the face of what seems to be going on in your life. And you just see, uh, you know, seeing situations fall apart. You, you see things, maybe you thought that this is what your life was supposed to look like. This is what you're... Uh, you know, this is what you maybe your relationships were supposed to look like. And I don't know, I'm just kind of out there, you know, speaking right now. I don't know what your deal is or what it might look like for you. But I know I've been there. I've been in situations where you just you feel so powerless to stop you know, what's going on in your life. Fear. You know, what, I wonder what Samson must have been thinking as he's there just, you know, mocked and abused and he's just standing there. And, you know, is it always going to be like this? Is this how, how long is this going to go on the rest of my life? Am I going to be stuck in this place? Just, you know, just the biggest L, the biggest loss ever. I'm the, I, I was so strong. And if only I had just made the right decisions at this moment and that moment and that moment, I, I would be on top of the worst place because uh, you, you mess with sin and then eventually um, this is what it looks like. You know, it, it, was all, it was all good when it was Delilah who was the Philistine who he was messing around with, but eventually this is what it looks like. Broken dreams, bro, you know, lost vision and no hope. He's thinking, they've hurt me, they've mocked me, they've taken everything from me and I'm useless. And he's probably thinking, even if I were to cry out to God, use me, why would he even hear me? I think uh, well, as we go through that, you know, we'll go through the, you know, the good part of the passage of Scripture, but I think the other, uh, the other pillar, because you've got to decide whether or not you're going to take these pillars out. You have to decide whether or not to, you can beat these things because they're what stand between you and being who you're supposed to be, who you're called to be. To truly step into obedience to God and His will for your life requires the death of yourself. Your earthly goals and ambitions are now subservient to Christ's will whenever you, whenever you take that pillar out if you're willing to. And I used to think, you know, we're getting off light compared to Samson because, you know, whereas Samson, it was a little more like, I'm literally going to squash myself under thousands of pounds of rock. But it's not that easy because uh, the truth is, if it was that easy, I think more people would live surrendered lives to God. There's not that many people who truly live a life of surrender and submission to God. Spurgeon who said our world has yet to see the effect of one man truly and completely sold out to God that's from Charles Haddon Spurgeon my favorite the prince of preachers I believe it was him see if you're, if you're going to do that if you're going to uh, knock out that second pillar which is the death of yourself and your selfish ambitions you got to want to kill you some Philistines to knock down that pillar and, and squash yourself like you got you got to you got to really 
want it. You got to hate the enemy so bad. If you're Samson, you, you got to be like, you know, this is it. I, I am. This is worth it to me. It's worth it to me that you know that that I am crushed in the process. But I will be who I'm supposed to be one last time. I'm going to end this the way that it needs to end. I'm going to in this moment because I don't have control over the past. I think that's what stops a lot of Christians from really being who they're called to be because because you don't have control of your past. You refuse to control your moment. Your present story be the way that you know it should have been, the way it's supposed to be. That, that stops so many people uh, from making the moment the way that it's supposed to be. I'm telling you, if that's you and you're kind of in the valley of, of decision in that, you don't know God like I know God because God can take your moment and cram so much power and meaning and purpose in even this moment. That if you will surrender now, if you will submit now, if you will be who he's called you to be now, you'll do more now than all the rest. You've got to want to kill you some Philistines to knock down a temple on top of your own head. And you've got to want the will of God in your life to let it crush your life, to let it crush your ambitions and your dreams and your, your own goals. And Samson said to the lad, I said it was a girl, it was a lad who held him by the hand, let me feel the pillars which support the temple so that I can lean on them. Now the temple was full of men and women and the lords of the Philistines were there, about 3,000 men and women on the roof watching while Samson performed. And Samson called to the Lord saying, Lord God, remember me, I pray, strengthen me, I pray, just And Samson took hold of the two middle pillars which supported the temple, and he braced himself against them, one on his right and the other on his left. And then Samson said, Let me die with the Philistines. And he pushed with all his might, and the temple fell on the lords of the pe- and the people who were in it. So the dead that he killed at his death were more than he had killed in his life. That's what I'm telling you. If you allow God, then he'll do more in a moment of true submission than in a lifetime of regret. And his brothers and all his father's household came down and took him and brought him up and buried him between Zorah and Eshtel in the tomb of his father Manoah. He had judged Israel 20 years. So in closing, you've got to be willing to be pressed. And I think Jesus was the perfect picture of being pressed. He says, he, as, as he bore not only the, the physical weight of the cross, but also the weight of the sins of the world. You know, and, and as, as you can just picture him as he makes you know, his journey uh, to Calvary, and, and just the weight of it is just crushing him. And at the same time, uh, you know, the, the blood you know, just, just seeping out from the wounds that were inflicted for us, for our healing. That is, but also doing the most important thing that any human being has ever done. Second Corinthians 4, 8 through 12 says, We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We're perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always caring about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus. That's a little bit of a picture, I think, of what Samson's final decision was. 
his last move is to be crushed. To submit to God, to, 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 to submit and to, to overcome his own fear and his own, uh, his own you know, fatality. And to be obedient unto death. Now, our death looks different. We don't get to go out in a blaze of glory like that. But we're called to do churches to live every single day of our lives as a living sacrifice to God. And that is a crushing prospect. Because again and again and again, you're going to have to squelch what your flesh wants. You're going to have to squelch you know, and crush you know, the things that, that come naturally, some of, the, some of the natural goals and tendencies that are noble in themselves, but only whenever they uh, don't cross with God's plan for our lives. Verse 11, For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus, but life in you. Amen. Let's all stand. While I'm thinking of it, um, it's good to have our visitors here this evening. It's good to, to meet some of you guys. Thank you for coming and sharing the word and worship with us. Church, I challenge you, if you find yourself in, in that kind of place of regret, it's never too late. It's never too late because God will still hear that, that cry, hear that prayer. But you've got to want it. You've got to want it enough to, uh, to take on you know, those pillars that may be in your life. But it's worth it. I think, uh, I, think I hear every old school Pentecostal preacher crying out to me to call this sermon, There's a Blessing in the Pressing. But I will not. <laughs> that God gives us the opportunity though so even after we've messed everything else up every, even, even though we've let him down so many times God is even in Samson's case said you know I, I will still allow you to accomplish in this moment God truly can in a moment of submission do more in that than a lifetime of regret don't, don't, don't ever miss that don't allow the fact that, you know, it seems like your vision is gone and, you know, the, the things that, that you saw that were supposed to have, the things that in your mind you, you decided your life was supposed to look like, well, maybe, yeah, I think you usually get to about 25-ish before you realize it's probably not going to happen. Was that just incredibly real for everybody who's over 25? I think right about then, I realized Oh, and I'm so blessed. I am. I'm so blessed. But, you know, there, there were some things that, you know, I had planned out for my life that I thought, you know, it would probably look this way or I'd probably have that. You know what I mean? Now, you're perfect, but, I mean, there's, there's things that, you know, we all... We, we all would love to see happen. And, you know, and if we could go back, we'd probably do things a little bit differently, a lot of bit differently. I don't think you have to be very old at all until you realize that, you know, that, that the things that I had envisioned for myself, those are not all going to happen exactly the way that I maybe once pictured them. However, I know that every time that I come back, there's such power and fulfillment in being in the middle of God's will. And so no matter what my plans were, I know that as long as I'm faithful to him, his plans, which are better than my plans, 
will always come to fruition. Amen? All right, let's bow our heads.